Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. My name is William Travis Clayton. I am 46 years old. I am Tracy Clayton's big brother, and she is my little big sister. What's your earliest memory of eating a bowl of chili? My earliest memory, I believe it was either my mother or my grandmother. I had to be a little fella, and I was going to eat whatever they put in front of me. In our house, meat, beans, onions, the chili soupiness, and noodles. We absolutely have, as far as I can remember, have always had spaghetti noodles in our chili. Tell me about the way that you eat chili. Mm, I was on an adventure at my favorite brother cousin's house. Rest in peace, Tyrone Antoine Clayton. R.I.P. My Aunt Connie had fixed chili, and they were grabbing the sugar and putting it in. I was like, bro, what are you doing? And he <laughs> said, man, don't do it. If you do it, you'll never eat chili the same. <laughs> and I did it. I will only enjoy it with the cheese and the sugar. What did the sugar do to the chili that made it so memorable for you? It was just totally different. It was like a different chili experience. Like, it's this thing that replaced all other chilies in my life. It was like (laughs) falling in love and forgetting all your other little puppy loves and stuff. (laughs) And one thing I really noticed is when you add the sugar to it, the chili gets really dark. Wanting to be, you know, fit in and going to try it. But, I mean, he, he told me, like, several times, don't do it. You never eat it regular again. You can't replicate our mama's chili. Do you still make chili at home for the family? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it gives me a chance with my arch nemesis, a.k.a. my 11-year-old daughter, to <laughs> do something together, and it's something that she likes to do. When you eat a bowl of our mama's chili with cheese and sugar, what does it remind you of? I think just childhood, really, like, and not just her chili, just, you know, having my mom cook for me, and, you know, she was, it's like being nurtured and, like, being cared for, and she's not just going to 
fix me chili. She's going to sit down next to me and talk to me. And she might even, like, mm-hmm. pat my head and <laughs> rub my back. And she'll make it for me by the gallon. And she looks forward to yeah. it every uh-huh. year. I go to visit. You want to make some chili? I'll make you some chili. And I'm like, yeah, what yeah. are you waiting on? <laughs> Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, chili is love. She puts love into it. And I love eating it. Beyonce, you look like Luther Vandross. Oh, but make it fashion. But you ain't heard that from me. Fierce. Can't stop. You see, when you do <laughs> clownery, the clown comes back I to bite. I ain't gonna sleep because of y'all. It's Britney, bitch. Y'all not gonna get we no sleep because of me. But I ain't gonna get sleep because Who said that? Welcome to Back Issue. A weekly podcast that revisits formative things, people, and moments that we missed and that changed us. This week, do you want it in your collard greens? Probably. Do you want it in your candy sweets? Yeah, it will probably enhance them. Do you want it in your rice and gravy? My anaconda do. This week, food. Mmm, I eat that. Each week, we'll go back into the past and revisit unforgettable moments we all think we remember. And learn what they can teach us about where we are now. I'm Tracy Clayton, and I am hungry. And I'm Josh Gwynn, and I'm a Somala hag. <laughs> hey, Trace. Hi. How you doing? I'm hungry. How are you? <laughs> Super hungry. Now that I heard about this chili with the noodles, I need an explanation, and I also need a sample. So the sample has to come from my mother because you don't want it to come from me. <laughs> I have a good idea. What's up? Today, let's just talk to a bunch of people about their favorite foods. I am 100% on board. Let's do it. I'm ready. So we already talked to my brother, Travis. Shout out to mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Shout out. But I want to talk to some other people through the episode and just wax poetic about food. And recipes. I love hearing people who are like foodies talk about food. And do you Uh, know who the perfect person for that is? Who? Chef Mustafa Abdul Rahim. He's a chef. He's generally just a wonderful person with great ideas. And he's been on Chopped. Yo, goals. Like, I love that show. Goals for one of us. I would die (laughs) on Chopped. You hear me? Uh, I love him so much. But he's classically trained, and I think he's going to have a lot of really great things to say when it comes to food and how it ties into nostalgia and memory. Mm, I'm excited. Let's go. Let's do it. There are a few things in this world that I think about as much as I think about food. Mm-hmm. Whenever I travel to a new city, it's the way that I get to know a city. Yeah. It's, like, really important to me. It's really central mm-hmm. to a lot of the relationships that I have and that I build, I think. It is not true for me, though. Not as much. Like, I have my spots of, like, food nostalgia. But for the most part, like, it's like, is there going to be food there? Is it all fish? Uh, if not, I'll, I'll be, be there. there. <laughs> I'll... <laughs> you know? Like, I'll show up 
with a picture of something to get everybody nice and tipsy. Uh-huh. If that is what the vibe is, okay. or I'll show up with some tea or some ice water. Ice water. There is an art to ice water. Mm-hmm. The good ice. I just want the product. You know, I just want to get there. Like in therapy, it's just like, well, you know, it's the journey. It's not the destination. That's wrong. That's a line. That's bullshit. It's the journey. It's not true. I think it it's is the destination, true. and I want to get there. See, I know? love the journey. I love like I see a recipe, and it's like this is a three day project. I'm like, Samuel, what? Let's go. I love watching one thing become another thing. I uh-huh. also think that there's this meditative, like... I get it. I just, I, it's just <laughs> not moi. Would you say that you're a good cook? I think the fact that I can cook but do not cook mm. makes the question of whether or not I cook my second most hated question to be asked. Wait, what's your first? How are you? <laughs> Because <laughs> then I got to think about it. Shit, how am I today? I don't know. It changes all the time. I'm stressed out. Do you need to know that? Maybe I keep this part to myself. Right. So I'll just be like, I'm here. Right. Second worst is, do you cook? Because there's so many assumptions that come behind that question. Yeah. I know what you mean. You know what? I have an idea. What? You know how you talk to your brother already? Mm-hmm. Sibling swap. You should talk to my sister. Show. <laughs> about this exact thing. She does not suffer <laughs> fools. She does not cook. And she doesn't make decisions based on societal pressure. She does not do any of those things. I love it. Like, I remember every holiday, I'd be in the kitchen with my aunts cooking and, like, getting food together, and she'd be in there watching sports with my dad. <laughs> she said, y'all know why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> When's the food? So maybe she can help you with how you're feeling a little bit unsettled around that question. It sounds like she's the perfect person to help me with this. Hey, Maya. Hey, how are you? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? I am so glad to talk to you because I'm having some anxiety around a trait that I understand that we both share. Okay. I don't cook, and you also do not cook, right? No. No, ma'am. Why do you not cook? I don't like to. Full stop. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's... That's reason enough not to do anything, honestly. Who's pressuring you to cook? Who, Like, who's asking you these questions? So I think the pressure that I feel is, like, me projecting my feelings of inadequacy onto myself. Okay. Because I'm a woman, mm-hmm. I'm a black woman, mm-hmm. and I'm from the South. And people just expect that we are these, like, domestic mavens and goddesses. Yep. And I knew from very early on that that was not my particular calling or ministry in life. No. And so I think also when I moved up north and people, you know, like they would hear my accent. Oh my gosh, where are you from? Oh, so you can really cook, huh? Oh, so you can fry up some chicken, huh? And I'm just like, sorry to disappoint you, stranger. But also, why do I care about you being disappointed? Yeah, you know? I don't know you. Yeah. I can see that, though. Like, the stereotypes of what we think about women from the South. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, or just, like, from Black people. Like, when I worked at an after-school program, one of my best friends was, like, this 45-year-old white woman who was the mm-hmm. lunch lady there. And mm-hmm. it was so much fun. Like, we would just, like, talk shit all day. <laughs> and then one day, she was like, your mom's going to have to make me gumbo. And I was like, whoa, Kathy. Like, chill. <laughs> chill. <laughs> oh, first of all, that's my mama. She don't have to do nothing but stay black and die. Yeah, but she's like, I make you tacos and stuff every day. I'm like, okay, okay. I can see where you're coming from then. Okay. <laughs> and like a food exchange. But like, you can't assume that my mom knows how to make gumbo. Right. And she's like, does she? I'm like, yes, but don't assume that. But that's not the point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Sorry, Kathy. Yeah. Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> yeah. I'm both mad that I'm just now like exploring this topic because it really does like cause me so much anxiety when somebody asks if I cook, especially if it's a man that's asking. Oh yeah, because you know what they mean. Tell me about the time or the moment when you decided that the pressure isn't gonna like bully you around anymore. When did it become easier for you to just be like, nope, I don't cook? I think just focusing on other other stuff that I do, like mm. all the other good stuff. I have decided that I'm gonna commit to unlearning all the things that make me ashamed to say, no, I don't cook, full stop. But I feel like it's so ingrained in me, it might take a while. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice, any pointers, any mantras, if you will? Yes, say no, I don't cook, I have a Webby. <laughs> Flex out. Yes. Oh, Lord. I got to practice. No, I don't cook. Do you know who I am? <laughs> this has been so helpful. Oh, Thank good. you so much. I'm giving a middle finger to all the gender norms. Oh, hell yeah. How'd the talk with my sister go, Trace? It went really, really well. I feel like I've got a good foundation to start making some changes. You know, okay. it's going to be a commitment. It's going to require some energy to unlearn all of the toxicity around cooking and not being ashamed of the fact that I do not cook. You know, it's it's going to be a process. It's going to be a mm. commitment. It's going to be a journey? You know, I don't like journeys. But <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, yes. <laughs> but I get it. I get it. I, I think our relationships to food are tied to so many things, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're tied to our social location. And it's tied to how we think about gender. And I think we're all really just figuring it out. Seriously. But one thing I think we can both agree on. What? Even if you don't want to cook another day in your life. Mm -hmm. I know you love a snack. I love a snack. <laughs> Several snacks even if the day's right. <laughs> so let's marinate on that. The perfect snack after we come back. Okay, all right. But first, let's hear from my friend Kat. Bars. I didn't know that Nicki Minaj ghost wrote this episode. <laughs> <laughs> perfect snack to me is crunchy and salty and fatty and funky all at once. So like a Triscuit with butter and an anchovy or like a Ruffles potato chip, like a solid chip with sour cream and fish roe, smoked trout salad, which I personally make with celery, red onion, lots of lemon, mayo and Greek yogurt and you spread it on a Ritz or a Triscuit. I love Triscuits. But actually, maybe I just love fish as a snack. I think fish is a great snack. Normalize snacking on fish. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. 
we're back. Damn. So, I have an amazing talent that I've been working on, which is spinning something that I perceive as negative into something good. Okay. You want to watch me do it real quick? Yes, I do. Since I did not cook, I got really invested in snacks. Oh, I love snacks. My snack game is on point. I think my favorite snack is like a chip, a good chip. I, look, listen, the person with whom I spend the most time in this city has the worst snacks. Never a potato chip. <gasps> I'd be like, you got some snacks? He'd be like, there's some almonds in there. And I was like, do you have a snack? Because an almond is not a snack. Fruit, not a snack. It's not. But yeah, I tend to crave like textures more so than flavors. Same. Sometimes I'm just like, uh, I need a crunch, you know? Sometimes you just need nachos. Love nachos. Oh my gosh. A moment for nachos, please. They're just uh, so cheesy <laughs> and so crunchy, crunchy. <laughs> But yeah, I think that when it comes to like food nostalgia and things that I miss, a lot of it is snacks, mm. you know? Because mm-hmm. I just, I just remember a time so clearly when the thing that my friends and me used to do was just walk around the corner to the corner store mm. and just, just buy all of the snacks. Snack run. Yeah. Oh my gosh. My favorite for a long time. My favorite until it went away, actually. Mm. Clearly Canadian. Yeah. Remember that? The flavors, the though. The flavor. The flavor. But also, the bottle looked rich as fuck. Like, you, did, you felt, like, felt so expensive. special <laughs> drinking yes. a clearly Canadian. Exactly. I was like, I own 51% of this playground. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what else was good, though. Okay. Crystal Pepsi. I will die on this hill. Cola shouldn't be clear. Okay, but that's what made it so neat, though. It was so different. Ugh, I don't like things should look like how they look when I consume them. Okay, I understand. But the thing is, that's what all cola looks like until they put the food coloring in it, which they put in it to hide like impurities and stuff, or at least they used to. So cola is actually clear. Yes. Wow. I am a scientist. But don't quote me on that, because I don't know. <laughs> Remember Snackwell? Snackwells. Yeah, that was a confusing time in my household when my mom went on a diet and the only sweets were Snackwells. Because I had to eat them, but like they weren't that great. They were like fat. Like, how is this dry and oily at the same time? I don't think I ever ate a full Snackwell Devil's Food cookie. And that's why you're here today. Exactly. If you've ever eaten a Snackwell's cookie, don't worry about what's in the vaccine. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. There were also snacks that, like, my mom would never let me get. Mm. And so in my head, they became white people snacks. Okay. Because all the white kids in my school had them, and I was just like, man, can I I have one of your Gushers? Gushers! Wait, I love a Gusher. Tracy, how would you describe a Gusher? Okay, Gushers were, and still are, because they still make them. Mm-hmm. They are a gem-shaped fruit snack. Like, it looks like like it's cut like an emerald or something. And in the middle, mm-hmm. it's just, like, ooey-gooey candy juice of some type. <laughs> Absolutely. Five stars. Some form of corn syrup that we should not eat, but it's delicious. Mm-hmm. And they're so, so good. good. And they still go hard to this day. Knock. I am known to throw a box of Gushers in the shopping cart. Bussin'. There's something so satisfying, and again, it's about the texture. So those were white people's snacks to me, Lunchables for the longest time. I remember wanting Lunchables so bad. Yes. I don't know why I wanted a Lunchable. Because the commercials look so dope. A Lunchable is literally just a box of processed food. Like, you get salami, (laughs) a cracker, maybe something that might have been cheese. 
and a Snickers. Right. And my mom was like, I'm making you food. <laughs> but mom, somebody else already did it. You just have to pay all the money for it. <laughs> so there are a few things that I love more than a snack, but one thing that is up there, mm-hmm. theme songs for foods. Absolutely. Food theme songs? Jingles. I think jingles. they're called jingles. <laughs> Plain white rice. <laughs> That's such a good episode. I love food theme songs, a.k.a. jingles, so much. I spent a lot of time going down a YouTube rabbit hole just watching old fast food commercials. And I learned some very interesting things that I did not previously know. Okay. I would love to share this information with you, but I want to do it in a fun way. Okay. Let's do a quiz. Okay. Okay. This game is called You Made That Up. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so Josh, here's how it's going to work. Okay. I'm going to ask you some questions. They will all be multiple choice questions about black commercials, who was in them, who wasn't, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read you a question, and I'm going to give you four multiple choice answers. Okay. However, Mm -hmm. the catch is the answer could be that there is no correct answer. Does that make sense? Uh, yes. So maybe I just completely <laughs> made it up and everything's wrong. I don't know. Sounds about right. Okay. Ha ha ha. What crooner shook the world when he sang in the back of an empty bus in a Coke commercial in 1994? Gotcha. Was it Tank? Cisco from Drew Hill. Not Cisco from Drew Hill. <laughs> I mean, the kids, I don't know if they know who Cisco is any day. Okay, fair, fair. Tyrese or Genuine? Throw in the towel. The answer is Tyrese. <laughs> Disrespectful. You are right. You are correct. That was a good commercial. It was a good commercial. I remember all the runs and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay, Which living single actress Mm. popped up in a Burger King commercial in 1989? Was it Queen Latifah? Uh, the spiritual choice is so (laughs) useless. Kim Cole? (laughs) (laughs) Erica Alexander? Or Kim Fields? This is 1989? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think it's Sinclair. Okay. It could be... Erica Alexander, because she was cousin Pam in the 80s. Range, range. I don't think that she was as big of, like, a household name to where a big company like that would want to use her to sell food Mm -hmm. at that point. But Kim Fields was, because she was, like, Tootie and, like, all that stuff. So it's either between Kim Fields and Queen Latifah. And I just think that, like, at that time, Queen Latifah was wearing those hats Mm -hmm. and talking about, like, black... Pan-Africanism and stuff. She was on her militant shit. Yeah, so I don't see her being like, buy this burger. Mm. I'm going to say Kim Fields. Final answer? No, because <laughs> I don't know if Kim Fields was big enough. I'm going to say Kim Fields. All right. You are incorrect, I am oh sorry to say. It's the one and only Kim Cole. What? I'm pretty sure she was in quite a few commercials. So it was like one of her on the come up. Yes. Sort of gigs. Okay, that makes sense. I'll take that. I think it's really adorable. Mama always said, when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. She's like a girl about town. Mm-hmm. And I love it because she looks exactly like Sinclair, like her clothes. It's very, like, 
I'm a woman in the 80s, and I put my heels in my purse. Right. And also, I'm yeah. a black woman, so I must reference my mama. Because she always <laughs> said... Don't take tasty sauces. Mama also said never talk to strangers. Okay, I don't feel that bad for losing that point. That was good. Good for you, Kim Coles. Also, good question, right? Okay. Right. All right, here's another one. Which of the following singers was not, was not in a KFC commercial? Anita Baker. Anita Baker? Gladys Knight. Gladys Knight. Roberta Flack. Or Ella Fitzgerald. Three of them were in KFC commercials. One of them was not. Who was not? I can't imagine a world where Ella Fitzgerald <laughs> and Anita Baker were in KFC were commercials. In KFC commercials. So I have to I have to think that that's a fake question. Okay. All right. Is this our final final answer? Are we ready to lock that in? Honestly, I don't remember a lot of KFC commercials before. Remember when Reba was like they made her the colonel? No. And she was like in drag. Ooh, girl, that was I scary. I do not remember that, and I'm glad I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's my final answer. None of them. All right, you are incorrect. What? So the answer, <laughs> you look so stressed out. I wish everybody could see. <laughs> oh, my God. The correct answer is Anita Baker. Anita Baker was not in any KFC commercials. I mean, that makes sense. She was in a cult commercial. Okay. Also, her cult commercials, like, I would listen to those full songs. Like, absolutely. I mean, it's Anita Baker. Ella Fitzgerald was in a KFC commercial? Ella Fitzgerald was in a KFC commercial. So they did this series of commercials where they featured black celebrities. So they would have somebody like a famous basketball player, mm -hmm. right? He shows up and he's just like, I play basketball. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. When you do something for a long time, you get really good at it. Mm -hmm. Just like KFC and the Colonel's Recipe, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So that's what Roberta Flack would say. Mm -hmm. That's what Ella Fitzgerald said. And that's what Dr. J maybe Oh, really? Do you want to see one? I need to see one right now. As you wish. Here's Ella Fitzgerald in 1983 for KFC. I do one thing, do, 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 do. Do one thing for as long as I have, you get to be the best. Like Kentucky Fried Chicken. Ooh, do, 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 they do one thing. Great chicken. They cook it up hot and tender like my music. No, I tender like, like my music. I didn't tend to chow. My mind is blown. Yeah, just, just absorb that, blown. everyone. I know it's a lot. Okay, what's the next question? The first Black McDonald's commercial aired in 1979. What was the plot line of the commercial? A, a group of soul singers fighting over what to get for lunch. Mm -hmm. B, a grumpy grandma who wants breakfast before church. C, a black man impresses his white boss by bringing in McDonald's. Or D, a black family around the dinner table at McDonald's catching up for the first time after a busy week. The year again was 1979. One of the earliest McDonald's commercials I remember that was for black people was that little boy that gets the job. Calvin! Calvin. Let's go with A, because I feel like that's the one I would want to watch. Okay, we're going to lock it in? You don't think I made it up? Yeah. Okay. Another great try, but unfortunately, <laughs> it's B. A it's grumpy a grandma. grandma wants breakfast I need to before see this. church. Can you see it? So we head, head for McDonald's just as soon as we get ready. Oh my It's a full ass gospel God. song. Because how do you reach out to black people? 
Gospel music. The Lord. <laughs> Jesus. You know what I hate? That was a bop. Listen, listen. <laughs> it's it's uncomfortable when it happens, right? Very uncomfortable. That, <laughs> that was fun. Wasn't it? I learned so much, I- even though I lost. <laughs> <laughs> You know something that I always ask when I want to get a feel for somebody? Like, do we vibe? Hmm. I feel like there's a lot of possible answers, so I'm just going to... There are. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) But one of them is, what would your last meal be if you had it your way? Like ever on Earth? Ever on Earth. Ah, this is a mean question. What's your question? I don't know. Everything? Is there like a limit? Because, like, I want steak, I want chili, I want fried chicken, I want a Fruitista Freaks from Taco Bell, which they don't make anymore. Um, I know, I know. Like, I have a whole list. Uh, but the real answer is probably my mama's chili. Oh, I know. I need this chili. <laughs> Wait, what was what's your answer? Gumbo, because I don't feel like choosing. <laughs> it already has everything oh, in it. <laughs> you cheated, but that's a good answer. But you know who didn't cheat? Who? My friend Dina. We should listen to her answer the question, what would your last meal be, and then go to break. Okay, I can't wait to hear this answer. You set it up so suspensefully. (laughs) If you asked me what I wanted my last meal to be, I would have to say kuching laksa, which is a dish native to my family's area in Malaysia, kuching. Kuching laksa, it's basically a curry noodle soup, essentially, very simply, but it's just so different in that, yes, it's creamy, yes, it's tangy, but it's also been made with these herbs and fibers and leaves that still have a weird texture in the soup. And as I hear myself describing this, I know that doesn't sound very appetizing, but it's actually so addicting. It's like ground in there with the force, you know, of someone's papa. A papa is a maternal grandmother in Chinese. The other thing about this dish is that it's so imbued with emotion and memory for me because you wake up at 6 a.m. to go to these stalls that papas set up and it's awesome and it always comes in these bright neon orange or green bowls and you're like sitting on this plastic stool. It is just the best. And then what I like to do, immediately get boba milk tea. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. 
with back issue. <laughs> okay, Trace. What? We've gone through snacks. Mm-hmm. We've gone through jingles. Uh-huh. But now I kind of want to go back to where we started. With the best chili in the whole wide world? Exactly. All right. I want to talk about, like, family recipes. Oh. I love I the see. way that we pass down history through food. It's one of the most interesting things, I think, in the world to me. Uh, me, too. I love hearing people talk about these vintage recipes and where me they came too. from and how they got passed down into exactly. their family. So I thought that we should talk to one of our personal faves, our friend Absolutely. Janelle. Mm-hmm. So she's going to talk to us about her family recipe for what might be one of the four pillars of black comfort food. You know what that is? What? Banana pudding. With vanilla wafers? The only kind in the world, child. (laughs) There's one recipe in my family that means a lot to me, and there is only one way to make it. It's my granny's really, really simple, but uber-specific banana pudding. My family actually doesn't get along that well, but it never matters what beef is going on, you will always be fed with family. And so I remember one dramatic summer, my granny showed my family and I how to make banana pudding. Banana pudding should always be made with vanilla wafers. You see, cookies are the essential part of the recipe, and I've seen people experiment with Pepperidge Farm chessmen cookies, with shortbread cookies. No, vanilla wafers are the way to go. The texture is perfect, the vanilla flavor is unmatched, and vanilla wafers are the perfect size for layering your banana slices. The whipped topping should always be made from scratch. Get your egg whites, get your whisk, get your sugar, whisk it out for a couple of minutes. Making the whipped topping from scratch takes it to the next level. This is so much fun. I know, right? I have someone else we should talk to about comfort food. What's your food that takes you back when you're homesick or sad and brings you back to when you were little? Barbecue sauce. Yes. Okay, so let's stop right there because this is somebody who knows his sauce. My name is Mustafa Abdul-Rahim. Normally go by Chef Moo. I'm a classically trained chef from the Culinary Institute of America. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Chef Moo has worked in restaurants all his life. He was a finalist on Chopped. Four competitors think they have what it takes to be the Chopped champion. Let's meet them. For those of you who don't know, Chopped is a reality cooking competition where you're given a basket of random ingredients and you have to make a super fancy dish that would impress chefs whose jobs are basically to hate things. My nightmare, basically. (laughs) Mustafa, Chef Rich, which one of you is going to rock the dessert round? Yours truly. This guy. We'll see. He made it to the final two, and what strikes me about his episode is that even in this super stressful, timed, broadcasted environment, he still was looking at the food and seeing his family, like remembering where he came from. When I look down my plate, I, I, I see my family and all the ingredients and all the flavors and all the love that I learned to get to this point. I see a reflection of myself inside that food. And a lot of what he remembers about how this passion came to be came from his granddad. My grandfather, Herman Alexander. His grandfather was a sharecropper, and he had this dope barbecue sauce that everyone loved. So he would make this barbecue sauce that everybody would go crazy for. So we got into barbecue, family, and family recipes, and what food can teach us about where we come from. The thick, tangy sweetness, you know, like Sweet Baby Ray's style, you know, yeah. like, but... Love Sweet Baby Ray. <laughs> you would love Hungry Hermans. <laughs> I'm, as soon as you want to send a bottle over, okay. I am here and I am ready. 
if my cousins find out I'm making you a bottle for them, it's going to be war. <laughs> um, it's not my problem. Sorry. <laughs> Just hungry. Just hungry over here. And my grandfather's barbecue sauce also has its own magic to it because certain cousins would drink it out the bottle and they couldn't get enough of it. They would shoot mm-hmm. it. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> tell your grandfather to make the sauce. And then one year, I made my own barbecue sauce, sent it to my grandfather. And he was like, send me the recipe. And I was like, send me your recipe. <laughs> so we switched recipes because he never really paid attention. He always had it down. I gave him my recipe. He loved mine more than his, and I love his more than mine. Aww. So, But the funny thing is I didn't grow up eating pork. I didn't grow up eating classically barbecued anything because mm-hmm. my mom... You know, she wasn't with that. She grew up with all that stuff. She grew up with the, all the good ribs and all the good barbecues <laughs> and, de- and denied. She's like, nah, y'all can't have none. Y'all can't have none. As, as a chef, <laughs> as a person who was passionate for food and then who was trying to call a restaurant school at eight years old, denied a brother uh, until I was old enough to make my own damn decisions, like mm. 18. And I was like, no, damn that. Grandpa, get some ribs. He's like, you want pork ribs? I was like, fuck yeah, I want pork ribs. And I tasted his barbecue sauce on a pork rib and I was like, Mm. I looked at my mother and I was like, you should be ashamed of yourself How that dare I have you. to wait this wait, long. I'm calling like CPS. My mom did this too. <laughs> like growing up, I did not know what real bacon was because my mom only ate turkey bacon. And That's so a sin and a shame. I went to college mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was like, why does this bacon look so weird? And I had it and I was just like... Mm. I feel like I've been lied to my entire life. You were. Oh I was too. I'm so sorry, y'all. I'm so sorry. What made you want to cook professionally? Funny you say that. My entire life was food, is food. So when I was a kid, I would hide on the table and watch my mom cook and like, you know, creep out my crib and they couldn't find me. I'm in the kitchen table just peeping, just figuring out what's going on, <laughs> smelling stuff, looking at stuff. So it was always a passion. When I was about eight, I saw a New York restaurant school on TV, and I was like, I'm in New York. Mm. I want to work in a restaurant. I go to school now. I should be able to call this up and go, <laughs> and go right skip the middleman. So I got an application. Mm. But for some reason, I knew they would know I was a kid. So I used my mom's name. And you're literally eight years old at the time? This is the cutest story I've ever heard in my entire when life. When the package came, my mom was like, uh, did you order a New York restaurant school package? <laughs> I was like, uh, n- no, yes, maybe, can I go? I was like, I know it's a lot of money, <laughs> but I'll figure it out. She was like, I'm so, so sorry to break this to you. You have to finish regular school before you <laughs> So what happened between you being a little bitty baby hiding under a table watching everybody cook to being eight years old and having a cooking school application sent to the house? Like, what was it that made you want to do it? Was it just watching your people cook? My grandfather also, he's like the chef of the family. He, I mean, he was the mm-hmm. chef of the family, mm-hmm. but he never did anything professional. Like all his stuff was for the for the people mm. for you know for the house and everybody loved his food you know like that's where I get my mm. cooking genes from you know that's where I get my passion from because mm. being around him I would like watched like everybody loved what Herman did he lived in Buffalo so he would grill twenty four seven he didn't care what time of the year it was you know people love barbecue in the summertime but they appreciate it in the wintertime mm. yeah. you know so he'd be yeah. in a blizzard. Full Parker on in the garage, stepping <laughs> it up on the grill, bringing out the fresh corn and the fresh whatever. And it's like, you know, that that's love right there. And that wasn't his main thing. He didn't get paid for that. He was a handyman, a carpenter. You know, he did all kinds of stuff with his hands. Cooking was his, like, self-passion. So, you know, I grew up with that around me. And my mom is his daughter. 
So, you know, it was just like direct lineage. My mom, though, she was like, we kind of grew up like, you know, most people in the 80s. I didn't have nothing. You know, I do much to have what I got now in the first place. But back in the <laughs> 80s, my mom and dad had three kids. You know, they were trying to be Muslim. They were like, you know, li- living different than everybody else because it was like they were tired of well, whatever names they had been born with. They had thrown those away, cast those away, wanted their own identity. And, you know, my mom and dad didn't want us eating pork growing up. So I didn't have that. My mom didn't want us eating red meat because it was, quote, unquote, bad for us. But also it cost money. And she was like, I mean, got it like that. So we're going to be vegetarian, chicken based for the most part. So I grew up eating mm. all kinds of food because my mom was like, American diet is trash for vegetarian food. There's nothing here. But she's like, people in India eat vegetarian food. People in Africa eat vegetarian food. People in South America eat vegetarian food. So let's just make those foods at home and, you know, we'll be all right. So I'm eating chickpeas, eating hummus, wheatgrass, you know, I'm mm. up in there eating falafel, you know, as a kid, you know, it's <laughs> like, it was normal to me. People, I'm like, oh, you don't have <laughs> What time period do you think of when you think of, like, oh, this is when I started learning how to cook? I probably started learning how to cook, to be honest with you, around five. Um, my first recipe that I remember, uh, my mom was making potato salad, and she left out that onion, and I went to the fridge and slammed the onion down, looked at her like, yo, what's the <laughs> Are you going to forget the onion? And she was like, first off, how you know what an onion is? Secondly, how the hell you know it's missing? Like, like, I know you like, you know, the food and stuff, but damn. Come check her in her own kitchen. (laughs) Like, what you doing? When you were young, before you even went to school, what did you see yourself doing with food? When I was younger, I wanted to be, um, I wanted to own my own restaurant. I think one of the first pipe dreams I had was opening a restaurant that incorporated your five senses in a way. So I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. Like a revolving senses, you smell tasty and everything. And then I got older and realized that this sounded impossible to build in new york (laughs) did you ever dream that you would end up on like chopped was that ever something that you ever thought you would be able to do i thought i would be on a great chef of america first Mm. you know i thought i'd be i didn't think it'd be reality tv that like would be my debut i really only wanted to be on um one show and that was hell's kitchen oh man really i'd have fought gordon ramsay i couldn't do it exactly i wanted to fight (laughs) (laughs) so I've always loved cooking. I'm like one of the only people I know whose parents are like, you should go to culinary school. I feel like everyone's parents are usually like, don't do it. Given those environments, what is it about food that makes you still want to center your life around it? Food is magic, really, when it comes down to it. Uh, I can change a whole person's every day with one bite of food. That was to, like mm. stop them in their tracks. Nobody else can do that with their job. I can create a smile on somebody's face from one bite of food, from one spoon. I can change your entire perspective. Having a bad day. Your girl left you, your dude left you, this hurts, this hurts, whatever. Here, try this. Like, ooh, your senses will take over and you'll taste the food. That stops everybody. That's what food does. It's an emotional connection that no one else can really give to you except somebody who's making the food for you. Mm-hmm. And so like that ability to, to create a warmth in somebody, to create a smile in somebody, to, you know, get that energy reciprocated, you know, they, you can't put a dollar on that, you know. And so it's that passion for making people happy. And knowing that that's my magic, mm. it will always connect me to food. When, when it comes to food and how your brain works, there's always those core memories that are trapped in certain emotions that you can never unlock until you smell something, you uh, taste something. You know, let's say you had an elder relative that baked a lot, you know, and made certain fresh cookies at a certain time of the day or whatever, certain holiday. When that holiday rolls around, 
and you don't smell those cookies, you be like, damn, something's missing. Something, something's not right. And you go across something, you be like, oh, that smell. What is that? Mm-hmm. And it could be like cinnamon, nutmeg, vanilla, but the right proportions that your grandmother had or your auntie had or mm-hmm. whatever the spice flavor that's in the air. You walk past that and it's like, oh, I remember when I was eight years old and I was eating these cookies and right. someone pushed me off the slide and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm. What is that comfort food that you reach for? It's probably mac and cheese. Mm. Uh, a person with taste. I'm not one of those people that go a little all wild and styled with mac and cheese. Like, there's only two versions. And that's either you're going to bake it or you're not. You know, mm. like, and they're two distinct versions. If you don't bake it, you don't make it the same way you make baked mac and cheese. I get mad at people who do that and make mm. an unbaked baked mac and cheese and serve it like that. It's like, no, no, you were supposed to bake this one. This one's supposed to go in the oven. You've worked in food for so long. What do you think that you've learned about yourself and the people around you through the food that you've made? I've learned I can choose to heal people. And I think that's like the biggest, I should be using my element to heal first. Food is always that ability to bring you back to your center of source. And even historically, like the, the hunt was always the folklore where the stories were told. So you have that big hunt and that big hunt would happen because we're looking at the stars. The stars told us to do, do X, Y, and Z today. We get the big meat, we roast it together, we, we have the festival, mm. we eat, we celebrate, we remember. We talk about the past hunts. We talk about what we want to do in the future. It brings us together because that's literally the beating drum. Thank you so much for, for sitting with us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been really dope. Appreciate it. Anytime. Tracy, I can't even be mad at that one. That was funny. I just got, like, transported to a very specific place. It's it's the grandmas there. They're speaking Mm -hmm. through me now. Mm -hmm. In the vein and spirit and energy of our patron saint, Tyra Banks, did we... Learn something from this! I think we did. What did we learn? How the taste of something can, like, instantly transport you back to mm-hmm. a specific place or remind you of a specific person. Yeah, yeah. I feel like when I think of food, the first person that I really think about is, like, my grandma. Oh, me too. Uh, okay. I granny and food story. For sure. My grandma, before she passed, mm-hmm. she used to make oyster dressing and this thing called cha-cha. Mm, what's that? Cha-cha is like this relish. It's got like cabbage and onion and vinegar. And then you mm-hmm. put it in a mason jar and you let it ferment for a while. And then you put it on everything. Mm. I remember when she was passing away, maybe like a year or two before she passed away, she was really sick. Mm. And I went over to her house and I could see her body changing. You know, mm-hmm. and we both like knew what was going on, um, and it was really hard to talk about. My grandma was like one of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life. Aww, I wish I could have met her. When she got sick, one of the ways that we processed what was happening was, I went up to her and I was like. I need you to teach me how to make these things. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, I'm going to teach you how to make it. And so 
before she died, I was able to figure out how to make cha-cha and I like made some mason jars of it and sent one of them to her. She gave me the okay. She was like, yeah, this is good. Aww, <laughs> it was really hard well. to make too. <laughs> it sounds really hard to make. So when we have family get-togethers, especially around holidays, one of those things has to be there. Mm. I feel like the oyster dressing has to be there. Otherwise, it's like she's not there. Yeah. Aww. And it's less about whether I love oyster dressing. I do love oyster dressing. Mm. It's crazy how food can become a, not a stand-in. I'd rather have my grandmother. Of like, course, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it can be, like, representative of a piece. It's like an ambassador for something. Oh, that's beautiful. For me... My nostalgia comes more from, like, the people and the actual gathering more so than the food. Mm. The thing that makes me feel my granny's absence most is having somebody else do the prayer before we eat. Because that was always, Mm. that was always her job. Like, even after she got too old to cook, even after she couldn't be in and out of the kitchen anymore, even when she couldn't stand up to do the prayer like we usually Mm. do. And then even after she had some strokes. Mm. But even then, like, she, she would do the prayer. You said something about how you and your granny talked about her passing by talking about the recipes. Like, I need you to mm-hmm. learn these recipes. Mm-hmm. The last Thanksgiving that um, we had her, she was going to do the prayer. And I was just like, I need to record this. You know? Like, I just had a feeling. Yeah. I just had a feeling. Um, yeah. And she closed her eyes. And she just prayed the most beautiful prayer, like slurred speech and all. And um, Mm. the next Thanksgiving, we did okay until we got to the prayer. Um, Because then Mm. it was just, it just made it real somehow that, like, she's not here to do the prayer anymore. What we Mm. did have was my Aunt Rita, who, bless her heart and soul, does her best. (laughs) 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 And by that, I mean, like, she doesn't do a bad job praying. You know, like, Mm -hmm. those are shoes that nobody can feel. I just remember that I actually do have, like... There's a food that I miss, a food that makes me think of her, like, in particular. Mm-hmm. Biscuits. Not my mama's biscuits. Not my mama's biscuits. My mama bird. You get my mama <laughs> bird, Gina. <laughs> she had this biscuit bowl mm-hmm. that my Aunt Rita calls Mama's Magic Biscuit Bowl. Look for the book, the children's book coming out soon. <laughs> and... It was this brown ceramic bowl, had nothing in it but flour. And as far as I knew, she would reach in with an empty hand and like pull out biscuit dough and just mm-hmm. put it on a rack and put it in the oven. Mm-hmm. There was no top to this biscuit bowl. The flour was always in there. Mm-hmm. And it was just like free in the in the cabinet. <laughs> and in retrospect, I'm just like, who knows how many bugs and spiders we ate, mm-hmm. but they always came out perfect and nobody can replicate them. My mom, again, good cook, mm-hmm. but she don't she don't have the tootsie touch. Yeah. Tootsie is what we call my grandma. Mm. She just don't have it. And I really, really miss those biscuits. One time my mom tried to do them, they came out so hard. Aww. <laughs> I was like, if I hit you in your temple with this, I'd have to take you to the hospital. You know another thing this all brought up for me, Trace? What? Do you remember that clip that went viral of that aunt that was super mad that someone experimented with the mac and cheese on Thanksgiving? Don't experiment on damn Thanksgiving. Don't experiment on Thanksgiving. I remember it, and I felt like she was talking to me, even though I knew that she wasn't. I felt so bad. There's, like, a genre of this type of video. There's this other video that was on TikTok, and... It's a convening of the board of aunties. Oh, my God. um, Who, like, need to intervene because one of the younger aunties decided to put shrimp in the potato salad. Thanksgiving's over. We're just going to shut it all down. You don't. Who? They look 
so distraught. Okay, she said she wasn't putting shrimp in it. Okay. Because she didn't have any. Oh. Not because people might not like it, but because she doesn't have any. That's why she, that's why it's not in there. So just disgusting. <laughs> if you had told me that they had found one of the nieces or nephews doing drugs or something, mm-hmm. the faces would have been no different. Like they mm. were, they were like intervention. It's always been in my head that like, you know, you don't play with the classics during special events. But mm-hmm. the thing that all of this brought up for me is the reason why you don't. Which is? Nostalgia. Ah. Right? It's not even just about like how it tastes because you could experiment with something and it could taste better. But it doesn't uh-huh. fill the gap right. that you were hoping that it would fill because... It has to be the thing that it was, you yeah. know? Yes, Which is yes. why I think that all these people were mad. I agree. I agree with all that. I also learned that it's fine that I don't cook, you know? Yes. There's some unlearning I still have to do because I still have trouble saying the phrase, I can't cook, because it's not It's not true. Mm. I can follow a recipe, but I'm not about to get in your kitchen and throw down. I'm okay with that. Why y'all can't be okay with that? Mm. Just because I'm a woman, I got to mm. be able to cook? Fuck y'all. When I get mm. married, my husband's cooking for me. Bam. Okay. Bro reversal. It's like my handshake. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I have a good firm handshake yeah. to throw people off. What throws people off more than a black girl from the South who don't cook? Hey. And just like that, I am a revolutionary. Freedom. Ashe. <laughs> <laughs> to freedom! To freedom! was a production of Pineapple Street Studios. This show was created and is hosted by Tracy Clayton. And also by Josh Gwynn, too, also in addition. And plus, Josh Gwynn is our senior producer. Our lead producer is Emmanuel Hapsis, and our managing producer is John Asante. Our senior editor is Leela Day. Our associate producers are Alexis Moore, Zandra Ellen, and Brianna Garrett. Our executive producers are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our engineers are Raj Makija and Davey Sumner. Raj got busy on the original music you heard throughout the episode. Damn. This show also features music by the one and only Don Will. You can follow him on all the socials at Don Will. Um, you can follow me if you want to. I would like that. You can follow me at Broken McPoverty. And you can follow me at Regarding Josh. Mm-hmm. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever free podcasts are sold. Please leave a review. It really, really does help. Yeah. Give us a rating. Give us some reviews. But only if it's five stars. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, if you guys have to say, <laughs> say it somewhere else, please, and thank you. Um, uh, and we'll see you next week for some more Nashville Show. Do you need any um, taste testers for your um, cannabis-infused <laughs> cuisine? Because I feel like you might need some, and I am here for you. Absolutely.